Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. So I've been trying to get you for the past like two and a half, three years on the show. Really? Yeah, yeah. For for 24 and Battlestar Galactica. And now you're in this wonderful show, The Mandalorian. So so it's great to have, have you on the show. Um, and it's just a pleasure to chat with you because, you know, your journey, your career, it's been incredible. Uh, it's like you've never done you know wrong in the industry in the in the way that you choose your roles uh, i mean before we start chatting about the mandalorian you know how do you choose your roles what do your roles have to have the tick all the boxes for you katie um i think first and foremost it has to be something that i feel like i haven't done before whether that be a genre or the script or the character or even costume or director or the writers or, you know, it has to be something new for me. Um, and then I think on top of that, it, it um, I have to be sort of confused by the character's journey. And it has to make me question uh, uh, who they are, why they're doing what they're doing. Cause I don't wanna just play myself, right? Um, and so, you know, like 24, we were actually just talking about this the other day. Um, I wanted this character so badly cause I, I found her to be so intriguing that like this girl who grows up in a small town, how do you end up being a double agent? Like, how does mm. that happen? And I think that 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 was just somebody trying to get out somebody trying to get out of a small town somebody trying to not you know like you know live eat breathe and die in the place that they were born um and so i wanted to understand that because i identified with that small little piece of her um and i you know it's it's every once in a while you turn something down and and take a job that ends up being the right decision so yeah, that was that was definitely the right decision because <laughs> I love I'm, that. I mean, role. I mean, I, I've got to say, I bet you don't miss uh, the working conditions of Twenty Four because obviously it was Twenty Four episodes. It was a long series, and I love how you know shows now they're breaking them down to either ten episodes, eight episodes. So how different is the Mandalorian compared to say working on Twenty Four in the way of the time you you were on set? You know, it's funny. I think those are two really bad examples of the example that you're making, because I think the irony is, is that I worked less on 24 than I did on Mandalorian. Our hours on Mando, while we're shooting normal hours now, I think one of the beautiful things that that um, that sort of side effects of, of this COVID um, thing was that uh, studios started realizing that they didn't want to do overtime because they wanted to mm. keep people healthy. And so we started working 12 hour days again, which was absolutely amazing. Um, 
but you know, we shot from, I think September to April, like that's a long, and it was five days a week. And, you know, just because I'm only on camera for 12 hours, doesn't take into consideration the drive to and from work. And then the two and a half hours I'm in hair and makeup. So it's a long day still. Um, 24 does this beautiful thing called block shooting. Um, which if I could get myself on a show like 24 again, that block shot, I would like want to stay there for the rest of my career. Um, <laughs> so you, what they'll do is they'll shoot everything in one location for like two weeks and then they'll shoot everything in a different location for like two weeks. So if you're only in CTU, you'll work for like two weeks straight and then you have like a month oh, off. It's crazy. Wow. It was wow. amazing. I loved working on that show. There would be times where I would be in Mexico, like on vacation for like a couple weeks and someone would be like, aren't you like working right now? And I'd be like, absolutely getting paid too. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, a quick question about wonderful. 24 um, is that, you know, uh, you know, I've 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 met Kiefer Sutherland uh, uh, probably about six times now, um, in his concerts and and conventions, etc. Um, and you know, I've I've heard. I mean, I've in, I've interviewed quite a lot of the stars of Twenty Four, but what was he like to work with? Because uh, you know, everyone's saying he's wonder wonderful, and I know that you shouldn't believe everything that you read in the press, um, you know. But what was he like from your point of view? Um, working on that show. So I love Kiefer. The last time I saw Kiefer, we literally did a shot of whiskey and, you know, caught up really quick. Um, when I was at work with Kiefer, he was amazing. You know, he gives 110% when he's at work. Um, I think Kiefer gives 110% to everything in his life. Um, and that's probably why you hear some stories. Um, because when you do things with, with passion and commitment, you know, that that's what happens. Um, I enjoyed him. He and I had a, had an honest repertoire where we could talk to each other and, and say things that, that, you know, sometimes you wouldn't say to other people because they're too sensitive. And you can say that kind of stuff to him. And so I think that's why we respect each other and get along till this day, you know. Mm. So let's talk about Mandalorian, because literally you've been voicing the character of Bo-Katan for literally over a decade in Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, so for an actor to go from voice to screen is practically unheard of. So, uh -huh. I mean, I mean, what was the biggest challenges of going from voicing the character to actually bringing a to screen? Um, I think the biggest challenges are that, you know, when I, um, when I work in a, in a, in a recording booth, I move a lot, you know, mm. I do whatever I need to do to my face to make the voice sound a certain way. And sometimes that means I need to contort my face. Sometimes that means I need to like talk like down here because I'm trying to like do weird things to, to lower my voice or change my voice or whatever. I, you know, need to do for that character that I'm playing. Um, and my style of acting is very, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's some subtlety to my acting for sure, 
but I also um, I also love to let the audience know what I'm thinking based on what my face does. So my face moves a lot. Um, um, you know, it is what it is, sort of my style. It's not Bo. You know, Bo is very still, um, and that's who she is. And and um, I wanted that to co be conveyed. But at the same time, I also needed to recognize that, you know, watching a character not move their face for eight episodes is like paint dry. So you have to make them more interesting than that. So it was just a lot more thought went into it than the voice. You know, for the voice, it's my job is to go in and, and convey what, what Dave Filoni wants me to convey. It's not about me. It's about him and his vision. When my face is there, when 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 I am actually there inhabiting a character in live action, I have ownership over that. I get to make decisions. I get to stand up for what I want to do. I get to to. It's just more collaborative, and um, and it, I love the process. I love both processes. They're completely different. But you're right. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen enough. But you know, and I said this multiple times. It's not like I was off making romantic comedies in a corset for the last 20 years, you know, um, I play these characters, they're in my wheelhouse, it's what I'm known for. So it, it, um, it does make sense that my name was part of the conversation. I don't know if they ever thought of anybody else for the role. I'm sure they did. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just lucky that, that I got out of my own way and didn't, didn't scare myself too much to show up to work on day one. <laughs> so how did it all, all all happen? I mean, obviously voicing the character, you know, did you get a phone call or was it a meeting or I presume, I mean, did you audition? I mean, how, how, how did it all come together for you to get that part? Yeah. So I had, uh, it was a phone call um, through my, my manager um, at the time and I was on Battlestar at the time. And I was already voicing a character called Bitch Pudding on Robot Chicken. And uh, so Seth and Matt over there were friends with Dave Filoni, unbeknownst to me, or acquaintances with Dave. And Dave had called them to ask them what I was like to work with. And luckily, I'm not a raging bitch. Um, because that's how I got the part was they were like, we, we like her. She's great. She shows up on time. She does her job. Um, you know, she's not crazy. Uh, all of those things. And so I did, it was just an offer. And, and I, you know, I don't know if the character and it originally was meant to, to really exist as long as she did. Certainly not in live action either. So I think that she's just a character that I think people enjoy writing her and I think that they enjoy her in the universe. So it, it makes sense that she just keeps kind of showing up. She is an awesome character. She, and she is definitely one of my favorite. And I've got to say, the great thing, I, I, I don't know if it's because I'm a dad now to two girls, but I've, I've become more sort of attracted towards the strong female characters because it, for me, my girls are only five and nine. So for me, I'm getting excited at the fact that when they grow up and get a bit older, they're going to have some amazing role models to actually watch and, and see on their screen. So how important do you feel it is to have these strong female leads? You know, I representation on in art and on screen is so important. Um, and I, you know, from the mom of a daughter as well, um, I want my daughter to see herself through the eyes of characters. 
I want my daughter to believe that she can be anything that she can dream up, um, you know. But at the same time, I also don't want my daughter to to um, feel that they are physical limitations to what she she can accomplish based on on the visual representation of characters. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, if if she wants to be a dragon, I want her to be able to. <laughs> I want her to feel like she's a dragon. You know, um, if she wants to to uh, you know be a character from Marvel and be green. I want her to feel like she can be green, you know, mm. um, because that's just imagination. And, you know, I gr growing up, I wanted to be Bruce Willis. Nobody told me I couldn't, <laughs> you know, my dad gave me one of his white tank tops and, you know, I would crawl through cardboard boxes. Like I was even the Nakatomi building, you know, I mean, like that's the imagination of a child. It never occurred to me that he was a man. I mean, I knew he was, obviously, but it never occurred to me that I couldn't be a female Bruce Willis. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I think that representation is, is a beautiful thing. Um, and I, I love seeing strong females represented, um, so much. I also, you know, one of the things that I'm torn about is that, you know, we also have to to have, we have to maintain the art and, and have characters that are not morally upstanding. Those characters have to exist. Those mm. characters that, that are terrible human beings have to continue to exist in art because it's an accurate representation of, of the world around us, you know? So, um, it's great. I, I, I hope my daughter decides to be something other than an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, fully enough, my five-year-old, I named Akara af after Did Supergirl you? because I wanted her to be strong like Super Supergirl. But I've got to say, as the years have gone on, she's more like Kara Starbuck from oh, Battlestar Galactica. So I, I think I've got my hands definitely full with that one. I really, really have. But let's talk about your outfits, your costume, your suits on the Mandalorian as Bo-Katan because the work that they put into those suits are just incredible. They really, really are. I mean, what was it like getting into that suit for the very first time, sort of knowing what she looks like in animation to actually stand there in front of a, mi you know, a mirror and see yourself as the character? Yeah, you know, it, it. one of the things that we were so consumed with was uh, visually what she was going to look like, you know, that is something that that John and Dave are really drawn to. And it's really important to them. And thankfully, it is to myself as well. And, and um, so we wanted her to fit in the world, of course, not be jarring, not look like she doesn't exist but also be an accurate representation of the animation. Um, and so it's a matter of how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? You know, you don't want to change her, her costume too much. Um, you know, and our goal was to, to make it look incredibly accurate, but at the same time, we're conscious of the fact that I am, I am a 3d person and I'm not a flat person. And therefore, you know, I'm a woman with, with, a body and hips and, and shoulders and all of these things. And so you, you move things around to make sure that it's aesthetically pleasing and, and, um, you know, is still, uh, you know, accurate at the same time. 
so it the 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 wardrobe department on this show is absolutely amazing um you know that helmet that costume is just stunning and i love it so much i it and it works too i have fallen in it you know and it it absolutely protects me that tube armor serves a purpose <laughs> i mean i've i i've heard you in other interviews say how uncomfortable at times it was to wear because it was quite weighty and then i heard in another interview that you was pregnant during one of the seasons so how did that affect you you know wearing that suit and and did they have to i, I well i suppose adapt it in certain ways for your for your health way uh well well-being so, yeah so i actually didn't carry my daughter so it's it's something that we just we, you know i talk about when people ask me about but i didn't we didn't make a statement because we're we're inherently you know private people but i didn't carry my daughter my my daughter was uh handed to me uh for the first time right next to my husband so um yeah it's it made things uh much more convenient <laughs> convenience the wrong word but um you know i i worked through the entire season and we didn't have to alter my wardrobe or anything you know we had to alter my makeup because i was so tired all the time <laughs> you know i was definitely exhausted throughout the season um, you know, I kept telling them like under the wig, they can, they pull your hair back under the wig, um, because they have to put you in a wig cap and it's quite tight under there. And on days I was really tired. I was like, pull it back, ladies. Pull it back. It, gives you, <laughs> it gives you like an instant facelift. It pulls everything back. And all of a sudden, like you can't even move your face cause you're pulled so tight. And I was like, I love it. It works great. Um, no, it was, it was amazing. It was, uh, you know, our, our, um, I physically wasn't able to carry and, and we were blessed to be able to, um, medically be able to use a surrogate and it changed our lives. You know, we didn't, my husband and I didn't think we'd be able to have children and it, it was absolutely just like the most beautiful, I mean, you know, this, mm -hmm. you know, the moment someone hands you a child, it, it's your child. It's, it's absolutely, you know, um, I would die for her. Um, it just so happens it happened at the exact same time that I was working, which was odd because it was uh, um, making that work was, was a challenge. Um, but they, you know, I think I was probably the only person <laughs> in this industry to show up at work with like a week old baby um in my trailer uh, <laughs> <Ta -da. laughs> amazing you know i spent so much time with her we have so much downtime on this show that i was with her so much and it was such a gift and you know um but yeah it was but, awesome. he, but but i've got to say it's incredible how the the the, the moment the child is in your hands your priorities in life changes literally everything changes and i'm sure your 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 other half would say the same is that literally your hierarchy and like priorities in in the way of you would die for them it's just incredible it really really is um yeah. so, it really does you know? mm. yeah and it was it was one of those things where it was like do you turn down this opportunity or do you know do we as a family unit make this work so so I can experience this opportunity for work? And we did, and we made it happen. But I haven't worked since, you know. <laughs> the moment that job was over, I've 
I've I've been blessed with the opportunity and um, to not work for over a year now. And I did that on purpose. You know, I did a little job for like a week away from them. But other than that, I've chosen to not work because my priority is not myself anymore. My priority is her. It's crazy. It is. It is. It really, really is. Um, And and obviously your other half, Robin, um, I've got to say, I saw a great interview with you and Michael Rosenbaum. And Robin just seems the sweetest guy in the world. Did he get his his package from Michael Rosenbaum? Because he, he said did. he. It's, it's sitting on the shelf right here. Actually, yeah. he did. Yeah. Be, because um, I loved the moment when he said he was Lex's was his fa- favorite character, and I just thought it's really really sweet. Uh, I mean, how much geeky geeking over has he done over you and the role that you've got on the Mandalorian? Uh, so much, you know, my, I, I don't know how I became so blessed to be loved by somebody who's so genuinely amazing. He, um, the, it, seeing the way that he looks at me sometimes, uh, even it has nothing to do with what I do, but just like with pure love is just uh, amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's so inspiring. <laughs> like he just, he sees the the best in me at all times and it inspires me to be that person. Um, and so, you know, he doesn't blow smoke up my ass. He'll tell me, <laughs> trust me, he'll tell me when he my work could have been better. <laughs> good, good, good. So just taking a quick break for a message from our sponsors. So would you like to take home a piece of film history or TV history into your own home? Find your own piece of magic with Prop Store, the world's leading auctioneers of film props, costumes, and more. So check out propstore.com or follow the link in the description of this video. And while you're doing that, why don't you use our special code? Our special code will give you 10% off anything in the buy now section. And the code is easy to remember. It's Brian10. That's B-R-Y-A-N 10 and it's just above the finger, just here. Use that at the checkout to get your 10% off. That's propstore.com. But um, let's just uh, quickly go back on to uh, the special effects of, of this show. I mean, everyone's been talking about the volume, uh, which is, uh, you know, pioneer of technology. It costs over $250 million, which I think is a crazy amount of money. But it obviously shows on screen. I mean, what is it like going from I've got a picture of like a green screen setup here, going from some some something green screen to uh, the volume, which just is absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm guessing this enhances, you know, your performance being able to see, uh, you know, these scenes around you. Yeah. You know, as an actor, you're limited only by your imagination. Um, and that's what the green screen is. The green screen forces you to use your imagination whilst at the same time delivering these performances. Um, and with the volume, there's like zero imagination. It's just, you're you're literally just there. You're like, it's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. And it's... Um, incredibly freeing to but it's like i don't know it's like the coolest thing in the entire world 
there are no words to explain how phenomenal it is um, that you can 360 degrees around you turn in a circle and everywhere you look is a moving scene that's taking place you that you just stand there and watch it and there's characters moving in the background there's an ocean there's a horizon there are ships like you know flying around there's it, it is absolutely um breathtaking breathtaking Mm. I mean, I mean, it just looks incredible. It really, really does. Um, and also, uh, you know, your story arc over the last two seasons have been incredible. Because I've got to say, Bo, to begin with, um, you know, I didn't know if I would like her. Um, because it was sort of like everyone was, you know, behind Din. and But then we've grown to love her so, so much. I mean, what's been your favorite thing about that story arc, your fav favorite moment, your crowning moment? Um, you know, this was her redemption story. Um, John and I talked a lot about this, that if Bo, if Bo isn't forgiven, if Bo isn't redeemed by the end of the season, it doesn't work. Um, and so that became my mission was how do you forgive a person who's unforgivable in their actions? Um, and so it was, it was incredibly difficult and I wanted, I wanted to make sure that the audience felt her pain and they felt her remorse and her guilt and her just utmost desires to be able to go back in time and change the past. I think that when, when you see genuine remorse in a person who's made a mistake, it makes it easier to focus on who they are now than you do on who they were in the past. Um, and so, you know, that was my goal. Um, and I think that we got there in, in uh, episode seven, um, I think we saw glimpses of that as we went through. And I think that that those moments on that ship um, were my my proudest sort of of the season, really, because i I wanted I really wanted her to be that genuinely pained. and I wanted it to be subtle, but I wanted the audience to feel it. Um, and so, and I felt, I felt we got there. So that was important to me. I mean, the, 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 the whole process on set, and I, I'm sure everyone watching has seen the making of on Dis and Disney Plus, you know, the directors have been awesome on this show and you've got actors like Carl Weathers and Bryce Howard. I mean, have you, uh, you know, wanted to put your hat into the ring and, and, and direct episodes? <laughs> have you met actors? <laughs> we're awful <laughs> can't be um, that bad <laughs> i uh i listen it's hard enough dealing with the ego of one actor in a family i don't want to have to go to work and deal with a bunch of them um but no i mean i i i can tell when directing is bad but i don't necessarily know if i would be able to know how to make it good um I don't know if I have an eye for that. It, you know, the most important lesson I think 
for a director was something that Eddie almost told me years ago. He said, directing is not hard. You just put the camera where the story is. So I do think that if you can figure out and know what the story is, then you can direct. Um, as long as you have a good DP around you and a good script to work from, of course, and there's, you know, and a good crew and good lighting and good <laughs> multiple <laughs> things that matter. But I do think that at its simplest form, you just have to put the camera where the, the story is. Um, and I do believe that I know good stories. So I don't know. I've never really thought about it before, but maybe I would direct. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Fingers crossed. And I've got to give a shout out to the stunt team. I've got to because the stunt community, I just think, are like unsung, unsung heroes. They really are. And obviously, you got yourself into shape to play the character. Uh, how much of the stunts did you do yourself? And and when was the moment that you stood back and said, wait a second, let's the professionals uh, get hurt? So I, I agree that, that stunt performers are unsung heroes and I do everything in my power to, to make sure that they're recognized because um, I will never take credit for, for work that's not my own. Um, but at the same time, there's a fine line, right? You know, audiences, audiences want to believe that, that you're doing something. So it's, it's, it, you, I try to do everything once if they'll allow me to do it, you know, um, this is a really big, uh, big show. Um, they don't want actors getting hurt. So I'm not allowed to fly, not allowed to do wire work, sadly. And that is my biggest, that is my biggest pain is that I, I don't get to do wire work because if you go on a less expensive show, they'll let you do wire work all day long. <laughs> um, and so I love wire work and then I never get to do it. Um, but my, you know, I, I, I say that this show is about making the best character possible for the audience. It's not about me. It's about the audience. It's about Bo-Katan. It's about putting the right person in the suit that day with the right expertise to make this character amazing. And I, this season, had three separate stunt women in that suit. Um, uh, primarily, it was... Uh, uh, Joanna, who is phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, um, and she did the lion's share of, of the stunts. I tried to do everything once, like I said, um, because that's what it's as an athlete. Um, I was an athlete before I was an actor. I am driven by being physical and doing my own stunts. I love it. I love learning fight choreography. You know, I, I, I force them to let me do a knee slide repeatedly over and over and over again. Knees out of my suit because I had so many times and I was like, this is amazing. And I went home. I, th like, I think I've got a picture of that. My husband was go. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> my husband was like, what happened? And I was like, it was such a good day at work. <laughs> you know, I did, I did this, uh, so many times that both the knees on my suit broke away and ripped out. That's fun for me. That's like living in the character. And I love that stuff. You know, that, that final, that final, uh, dark saber fight, I did as much as I could, but that's Joe, you know, she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing because at the end of the day, it does a disservice to the character and to the audience to put myself in there with an ego when I know someone else can do it better. Mm. Um, 
And that's what it comes down to. I mean, John has, has, has come out publicly and said that season four is already written. Um, so what's next for Bo? Uh, are we going to see her again on screen? Or is that something that your NDA right now is ticking away? You know, <laughs> putting that red spot on your head. <laughs> my NDA is, is super strong. I think my daughter's first words can't even be Bo-Katan. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but no, it, 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 you, you never know, right? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. She's she's definitely got her hands full on Mandalore, so we'll see. I mean, I've got to say, it really impresses me to see you in interviews and not let anything slide. You know, how difficult is that to keep secret? I mean, I mean, the Luke Sky Skywalker, uh, you know, scenes, uh, you know, there's so many secrets on this show. How hard is it when you're being interviewed and grilled to not do a Tom Holland, as they say? Yes. So it's twofold. Number one, uh, you know, um, <laughs> Luke Skywalker's not in the scenes with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they had another actor there and they told me it was Plo Koon. And I believed uh, Dave Filoni because we're friends and he lied to my face. And that's fine. But that's how you keep secrets. You don't tell anyone. Um, but at the same time, one of the things that I love about what Disney and Lucas have done is they kept these secrets, you know, like, like these secrets are kept because people genuinely care about the fan experience watching the shows. And so in order to do that, everyone has to be on board and has to care about uh, the viewing pleasure of the people at home. Um, if you don't want them to know something, everyone has to agree from top to bottom not to tell. And it's a testament to people that work on this show that everybody wants to keep the things secret that are that are um, important. And I'm sure they want to keep their jobs because what a job to have <laughs> is to work on on this show. But I've got to say the invention of social media, because I can remember, you know, 20, 25 years, years ago, you know, you couldn't get any spoilers. Literally, you got excited about putting that VHS in and seeing the trailer yeah. of an upcoming movie. And that's all you had. And I miss yeah. those days because I like the excitement, the, the surprise. It's just fantastic. I've got a few more questions before we, we part ways, if that's okay. I mean, so have you liberated any mementos from the show that maybe Lucasfilms yeah. don't know about? No, I have not. Um, because I am firmly aware <laughs> that you only liberate things when you're done. Ah, that is a good <laughs> because- answer. <laughs> and if you and, want to come back, liberate anyway. yeah, leave them where they're supposed to be. And I was thinking, because you was a princess of Mandalore, does this officially make you a Disney princess? I yeah, of course it does. Yeah, there you of go. It does. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then uh, Disney. <laughs> there you go. You're a Disney princess. Um, and looking uh, back over your career. And it's and it's a massive career. And knowing what you know now, what piece of advice would you give yourself back when you were starting out? Um, I I would just tell her to keep going because she knows what she's doing. To continue to trust her gut, but I would also say that expectation is is the killer of joy, um, and to to try not to get caught up in what things could be. Awesome. And the last question, if your life, Katie, was a movie, 
what title would it have? Uh, I, I used to say smoke him if you got him. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea yet. I guess I guess I'll know I guess I'll know with hindsight when uh when the life is over, right? There you what go, the dog been. answered. Try to get your chihuahua to be quiet. Aww. That's the name. Katie, you've been a great guest. It's been an absolute honor. I look forward to uh, seeing everything that you do in, in the future. Keep safe and stay super. Thank you so much. You have a good one. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super, the podcast and on Twitter at Be More Super. Keep safe and stay super.